We've talked about how Black Lives Matter is connected with the LGBTQ movement. The founders have admitted to being trained Marxists. And as you're about to hear, they're also ordained in a pagan religion. The church should have nothing to do with this when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible reading podcast that we may know the truth that is in Christ Jesus, and the truth will set us free. Be sure to tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Who has been uh, really struggling with a migraine today. Yes. I'm not too loud in your in your earphones. I have cotton in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> she does. So she's got cotton in her ears and she's wearing the earphones over that. So, yep. <laughs> so I um, I was actually going to ask if my mic was working well enough. And <laughs> then I remembered I had cotton in my ears. So, yes. I don't think you have me turned up. I don't uh, know. You know, you might, might need to turn me up a little bit more. <laughs> So, uh, if you didn't hear last week, we are moving. Moving. We're going from Junction City, Kansas to Lindale, Texas. Yes. Where I'm going to become one of the pastors at First Baptist Church of Lindale Uh under the teaching of Dr. Tom Buck. Yes. How are we doing on this move, babe? Slow. (laughs) It's not coming along quickly at all. No, it's very slow. I worked in the garage yesterday. I mentioned this uh, in the introduction to the book of proverbs yes but i was working in the garage yesterday and just destroyed my allergies yep they were bad they were so bad you were so miserable i was pretty bad (laughs) you were just like your eyes were watered everything (laughs) oh there was liquid coming out of every place in my face (laughs) i wasn't gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Becky was inside was and can so hear my bad. my sneezing oh, explosions. Sneezing so bad. Yes. I would start sne- anytime I started sneezing, it went on for just several minutes. Yep. The neighbors had to be going, he's dying of COVID over there or something. <laughs> I wasn't ever really coughing, but no. surely somebody had to be thinking, I, I think our neighbor's symptomatic. Yeah. <laughs> That are really bad allergies. Uh, you know, so we've had those conversations about like uh, masks not working. Yeah. Okay. So I was in the garage wearing a mask. Okay. When I was sweeping out, I was sweeping everything out of the garage outside. Okay. Okay. And because of my allergies, my mouth is open. Right. So I'm breathing inside the mask. I'm only wearing the mask just to kind of maybe tame the dust down a little bit. Right. Because I'd already been sneezing so much. Uh, your typical mask, I mean, uh, the kinds of masks that people are wearing at the grocery store, very similar to the kind of mask that I had on, mm-hmm. but I had my mouth open because I couldn't breathe through my nose Right, the allergies had stopped me all up. So I'm sweeping stuff out. I've got my mouth open. I didn't realize until I had to, you know, kind of swallow a little bit. Mm-hmm. My mouth was full of dust Ew. from sweeping. The mask is not keeping dust out. If the mask is not keeping dust out, dust particles, <laughs> it's not keeping a virus out. Oh. You might have seen the the meme of the uh, uh, like it shows what a person was wearing, uh, uh, the kind of mask that a person wears to work in like a radioactive environment. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Then the kind of mask that a person wears when they're dealing with harmful diseases. Yes. The kind of mask that a person wears when they're fighting fires. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mask that a person wears 
during like the worst pandemic of mankind is just a little cloth over his face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, that's hyperbole referring to COVID-19. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The mask thing. I'm done with it. Totally done with the mask. Well, you you weren't ever really a fan of it. Oh, of course not. Anyway, so. (laughs) But I wear it when I go to the store. Yes. As we've talked about on this program, the mask really is not doing anything. It's not keeping anything out. It's not keeping anything in. And the funny thing is when I go to the grocery store, I do. it keeps it in because people are getting like um, staph infections and. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeast uh, infections. Yeast infections in their mouth. From wearing the mask. Yeah, like. What is that called? Thrush or something like something that? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, make sure to clean your teeth, guys. Yeah, clean your teeth. Yes. Do that anyway. <laughs> Do we, well, I mean, yes. general hygiene. But I mean, <laughs> extra precautionary. <laughs> yeah, like, right. take that extra measure. <laughs> uh, anyway, I go to the grocery store. I wear my mask to the store. It says it outside. I've seen some people walk in. They're clearly done with the masks. So they just, yeah. they don't wear. And I've never seen anyone corrected. Uh, I went to the doctor this past week and when I was sitting in the well, it was dermatologist, I was sitting in the dermatologist's office and yeah, and uh, there was a gal that had taken her mask off. She was rummaging in her purse and the desk secretary or the receptionist got up and went to her and said, ma'am, you need to keep your mask on. That is the first time I have ever seen anybody told in some sort of official capacity. Hmm. You need to put your mask on. You need to keep it on. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> That's also a citywide there, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because I was in Manhattan, and it's more citywide there than it yeah. is for us in Junction City. Anyway, the uh, when I go to the grocery store, I wear the mask just to, you know, whatever. I'm only in there for 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. And uh, I uh, just to put everybody at ease so no one goes crazy. So you don't look like that guy. <laughs> that's right. Which I am that guy. <laughs> just not to try to call, uh, draw attention to myself. Um, but it, what's funny is I'll be standing in an aisle, like uh, <laughs> like in the freezer aisle or something, and there's a guy down the way from me, and I'll see him lower his mask and cough, and then put his mask back up. Oh, that's helpful. <laughs> it's like, isn't that what the mask was supposed to be stopping, was <laughs> like coughing and sneezing? I have yet to see anyone sneeze or cough into their mask. Hmm. They will take it off. They will cough into their arm or they may because they've lowered their mask and all of their hands are now occupied. They'll just cough into the air. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Ew. (laughs) Thanks. The, the, uh, The mask thing. I just don't get it. And I'm seeing masks. On the ground in parking lots oh, yeah. everywhere. Everywhere. I don't even go out that much and I see it everywhere. Yeah. It's bad. And if this disease really is as dangerous and as deadly as we've been led to believe that it is. That's it, terrible. It is for some more than others. But yeah, you know, you've got this biohazard lying on the ground. I'm not going to pick it up and throw it away. No joke. <laughs> And not really because I have any fear out of of, of COVID-19. I just don't know what that person has put into that mask. Mm. <laughs> it's everything else I'm worried about, not yeah. COVID-19. Anyway, I don't know if we've um, been able to... Uh, Build your keep, immune system, babe. Yeah. Build your immune system. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know if we've kept any listeners talking about uh, all the grossness of... <laughs> You are so gross. Fluids tonight. coming out of my face. Okay, and- enough. We don't need a recap. <laughs> Uh, all right. I deal with it all day long. I don't need a recap. That's true. There's, there's always some sort of fluid control when it comes to parenting children. 
<laughs> this is when we understand the text, the Friday edition, when we take questions uh. from listeners. And you can submit those questions too when we understand the text at gmail.com. To start off here, I wanted to read this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning uh, in verse 6. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And skipping down here to uh, verse 21, test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And that's a little bit of something we're going to do in this program today. I got this email a couple of weeks ago from a fellow named John. And it was a very short email. He just said, Black Lives Matter and ancestral worship. Very interesting. And he gave a link to a video of Patrice Cullors, who is one of the three women who are the founders of Black Lives Matter. Okay. Two of these three women are uh, practicing lesbians. Okay. Patrice is, quote unquote, married. To another woman she uh-huh. has she has a legal married status with another woman uh, the woman's name is Janea Khan and refuses to use pronouns to describe herself she she says that she is a non-gendered person okay so when you go to her Wikipedia page it would actually be very difficult to figure out if Janea is even a woman or a man because all of the pronouns on her Wikipedia page are they Oh, describing okay. her as they and them, which are plural. I know. I always get confused by that because then it makes me wonder if they have what's that? The multiple um, personality disorder. Yes, <laughs> probably. But anyway, as I've written about and we've talked about on this program before, Black Lives Matter, the, the whole social justice movement, critical race theory, intersectionality, all of these different philosophies and ideas that are tied into this, mm-hmm. they're all interconnected with the uh, gay rights agenda as well. Mm-hmm. The LGBTQ movement. These things are linked. Right. Whenever you find a group like Black Lives Matter, you will find them also pushing an LGBTQ agenda. When you go to the Black Lives Matter website, it is filled with LGBTQ jargon. Yeah. In fact, I don't even think that you can be a head of a Black Lives Matter chapter unless you are also LGBTQ affirming. Wow. Now, of course, in addition to the uh, the sexual immorality that is within the Black Lives Matter movement, we have talked before about how it's also Marxist. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Two of the three women have said that they are trained Marxists. They have admitted that. Right. 
And they said that in the context of answering a question that was that was something to the effect of how are you going to be able to sustain the Black Lives Matter movement from just the the hashtag campaign that it started as? Because mm-hmm. those things go out. They come right. in and out all the They're time. They're like fads. Right. Exactly. Uh, how can we keep Black Lives Matter as something that is going to continue to be talked about for years to come? Right. And that was when uh, one of the women of BLM responded well, we're trained Marxists. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just a hashtag thing. It's Marxism. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue to push this Marxism, destroying capitalism. They want to take away any sense of personal or private property. You know, it's socialism. So the means of distribution and ownership are controlled by the state. On that note, they also want to dismantle the traditional family. That's on the about page on the Black Lives Matter website. They're against a patriarchal structure, father, mother, children. And instead, uh, the, the family is cared for by something of a collective. They're against anything that is of the constitutional republic that we live in as the United States. And we're going to usher in this Marxism and communism. That's ultimately what they're after. That's terrible. So you have the the, have the sexual immorality. You have the political undertones. But here's another element of Black Lives Matter that we don't talk so much about. And this is starting to come out more and more. There's a religious and, in fact, pagan element to this as well. Hmm. There, uh, this is a very religious movement, and these three women behind Black Lives Matter are spiritual religious women. So in this email that was sent to me by John, it is a video that is entitled A Prayer for the Runner by Patrice Cullors, and she is doing some sort of a demonstration in a uh, it's a zoom interview with a member of the fowler museum at ucla and i can't quite tell what patrice is doing in this video becky's looking at it here she can see uh kind of the image that i'm looking at but you have her poem that comes up here on the left and then you have her doing something here in the image on the right okay see what it is i'm looking at so that's her right there and you see this big pile this white pile okay that's shredded paper She's got a paper shredder suspended from the ceiling. Right there is a stack of pages. So she's writing something on these pages, and then she puts it in the paper shredder, and that's that big pile of shredded paper down there. Oh, okay. I don't don't know what she's writing on the paper. It could be people's names. Likely that's, that's what she's doing. Okay. Given what she's talking about in the poem. And then at a certain part in this ritual, she goes around behind this gold table right here Mm -hmm. and she's got a bowl in front of her and she dips her face in it. I don't know if she's drinking something. My guess would be that it would be like a a libation or a drink offering to spirits. But the uh, uh, the the poem is deeply spiritual. And then in the interview that she has following this whole ritual thing that she does, she talks about how spiritual Black Lives Matter is. I'm going to go ahead and play this poem. We're going to listen to it and talk about some things here. And then we're going to play a clip of a recent episode of Just Thinking uh-huh. with uh, with Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, 
who are the hosts of the Just Thinking podcast, because they were recently covering this. Anyway, I say all of this because John sent me this email a couple of weeks ago. I started doing some research into this, and it just so happened that while I've been researching this, which has taken me a long time because we're trying to move (laughs) (laughs) at the same time, I got a lot going on. Uh, I haven't been able to pull all of this together to do a program on it. Uh, But while I was doing that, then I'm working in the garage yesterday, and I'm listening to Just Thinking and Daryl Harrison starts talking about all the stuff that I've just been reading on. And I'm That's like, oh, awesome. man, Daryl. And he totally nailed it. So he reveals that Patrice and the other women of Black Lives Matter have been involved in a Yoruba religion. And in fact, in this page, that uh, an article that just came out, this article from theconversation.com, the headline is far from being anti-religious, Faith and spirituality run deep in Black Lives Matter. Hmm. This article is just a few days ago, and it says that uh, Patrice Cullors has been ordained in a Yoruba religion. Let's play this poem from her, and then we'll play a, f- a few clips of the interview, and then we're going to go to d- to the uh, Just Thinking snippet as well. All right. Awesome. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Zoom. My name is Bianca Collins. I'm the curator of public programs for the Fowler Museum at UCLA. The Fowler is honored to present today's program as the premiere of our Gay Pride series this June. I apologize. I forgot that I still had the introduction to Patrice Cullors in there as well. (laughs) But, But you heard the curator of the museum at UCLA, you heard her say there that this demonstration this 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 ritual cult thing that patrice colors is about to do is part of their lgbtq series yeah i noticed that that was interesting i don't know anyway (laughs) well no it's all connected so we're seeing all three of those yeah Yeah. all three of those things here you have the the black lives matter movement the lgbtq and the uh, the demonic spiritual thing connected with it as well it's all here in this one presentation so anyway, continuing on, this is Buckle still, up. here we go. This is still the introduction to her poem. We're deeply honored to welcome Black Lives Matter co-founder and Reform LA Jails Chair, Patrice Cullors, and Melina Abdullah, professor and former chair of Pan-African Studies at Cal State University, Los Angeles, and founder of the LA chapter of Black Lives Matter. We organized this program with Patrice and Melina back in May after Ahmed Arbery's horrific and untimely death determined to do something, anything, to offer space for healing. We didn't know then that the two heinous murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd would soon follow. Our intention for this program is now twofold. First, to mourn the beautiful lives lost, and second, to honor the power of an uprising that is gaining strength as we speak, which has been shaped in large part by the voices of these two phenomenal thought leaders with us today. After Patrice's performance and conversation with Melina, they will answer questions that we encourage you to submit via the Q&A button at the bottom of your Zoom screen. You can upvote questions that you're especially interested to see answered. The top questions will be pulled from the submissions with the most votes. Thank you. And without further ado, Patrice Colors. Now, there are three names that have come up here. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I'm I'm totally clueless on all of them. But well, I you just... know, you know, the George Floyd thing that was you watched that video before I did. That was the knee on the guy's 
neck. Oh, that guy. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. To summarize briefly these names that have been mentioned, because they're going to come up in Patrice's poem, there's Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor. Arbery was killed on February 23rd in Brunswick, Georgia, by three men, Travis McMichael, his father Gregory, and Rhody Bryan, who were pursuing Arbery in their vehicles. The suspects are currently charged with four counts of felony murder and false imprisonment of Arbery. What has made this a bigger story is that though Arbery was killed in February, his killers weren't charged until May, 74 days after Arbery's death. So this is being used as an example of racial profiling in the American justice system. George Floyd is probably the most recognizable of three names. On May 25th in Minneapolis, Floyd was being arrested for using counterfeit money and died during his arrest when Officer Derek Chauvin was videoed with his knee on Floyd's head for almost nine minutes as Floyd was laying on the ground. The riots that have ignited nationwide began as a response to the death of George Floyd. However, there's no evidence that Floyd's death had anything to do with race. We also don't yet know that Floyd was killed by Chauvin. One medical examiner has said that the physical evidence does not indicate that he died of asphyxiation and that he had a fatal level of fentanyl in his system. He was also COVID-19 positive and had been complaining about uh, not being able to breathe before he was placed on the ground. The investigation into this case is ongoing. Brianna Taylor's death is a story I'm not as familiar with. On March 13th in Louisville, Kentucky, three officers came to Taylor's apartment with a search warrant for a drug investigation. They knocked and then forcefully entered Taylor's apartment. Her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, began shooting. The officers returned fire and Taylor was hit eight times. The Say Her Name movement, which started a few years earlier in response to women who have died in police encounters, has been used to raise awareness of what happened to Breonna Taylor. So now here is Patrice Culler's poem, which is entitled, A Prayer for the Runner. Not a prayer to God, mind you, which you'll, you'll figure that out here in a moment. I've been saying this prayer before I was born, and actually a prayer I learned from my ancestors. And it's a prayer that they learned from their ancestors. And that prayer starts with, we are not safe here. She said it before she was born? That's right. Yep. She said she learned this prayer before she was born. How, how, do, you, how do you do that? Well, it's because of the religion that she's a part of. Oh. And it, it's an ancestor religion. So I'm connected with my ancestors. My ancestors taught me this prayer. Okay. And I learned it before I was born. And she's even going to say that these persons she believes were unjustly killed, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, they also learned this prayer before they were born. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so they're it, affirming that they are part of the religion, or she's just assuming? She's just saying that. No. Oh, okay. And it's, it's because they're black. Oh. So because they're black, they're all part of this religion with me, whether they have professed that they're part of this religion or not. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, where we're going. Okay. We are not safe here, but we live here and so what? What do you do with that when you're not safe in a place that you live in? You figure it out. You fight for your safety, you cry, you mourn, and you cry again and you stand up and you figure out how to be safe. And you find your allies, the people that look like you, that feel like you, the people that remind you of what a home could be. 
and you fight with them and you fight for that home because you know you deserve something more than exists right here in front of us. It's all about fighting. So she feels cornered and she's going to fight her way out. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. And then you also hear there where she says, we look for the people that look like us, Mm -hmm. which is a racist statement. Yes. So only other black people can possibly sympathize with black people. And it's exactly the same kind of mentality that even guys like Thabiti Anuabwili have been pushing Mm. because he said on Twitter, this was back a couple of months ago, black solidarity before Christian solidarity. He believes that solidarity exists within blacks because of the color of your skin before there is solidarity with one another as Christians crossing racial lines. This is even this whole mentality that is being pushed by Black Lives Matter has even made its way into the church. And there are Christian teachers that are pushing this nonsense as well. It is it is deeply demonic at every level. Talking about the the spiritual undertones, the the religious background that exists within it. But even more than that, the idea that Christ is not strong enough, the gospel is not strong enough to reconcile people that are divided by whatever it is that might divide them. Before we came to Christ, as it says in Titus 3.3, we were hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared... He saved us, not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Mm. The mercy of God cleanses us from unrighteousness, reconciles people to himself, and he reconciles us to the people of God. Right. The only true unity we have is Christ. Amen. It's only in the gospel. So to, to say something as absurd as there can only be or there is a black solidarity that supersedes a Christian solidarity, that's heresy. I have not seen that in the Bible. It is contrary to biblical Christianity. Yeah. But there are so many Christians and so many churches that are aligning with this Black Lives Matter cause and movement. J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, being one of them and saying he, he has said, you must say Black Lives Matter. Let's hear further exactly what kind of uh, spirituality is being aligned with when a person says such a thing. We continue on with her poem. I say a prayer a prayer that I learned from my ancestors, and it's a prayer that they learned from their ancestors, a prayer that involves a call to action, a prayer that involves my deep desire for respite, a prayer that sometimes reminds me that it's okay to go numb. It's okay to go numb when you've lived in a place that has sought to kill you, has only sought to brutalize you, has only sought to use you, has only sought to exploit you. This place we call America the United States of America. Ancestors and ancestors and ancestors and so on and so forth. All connected with ancestry. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. And they're all about America? Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused now. Well, <laughs> especially where she talks there about um, how America is a place where we're constantly hunted, which just simply isn't true. No. I mean, this this woman is now one of the most famous women in America. And she is making tons of money off of Black Lives Matter. She's being invited by UCLA oh to come goodness. and do this poem, this ritual thing that she's doing. Uh, by via... making herself look like a victim. Right. Well, yeah. That's, by playing the victim. That, and that's critical race theory and intersectionality. It's all about victimhood. 
What is my victim status? And so you have these subcategories and however many categories you can fit in where those things intersect, that's your victimhood status. And claiming a victimhood status, you're able to also point to the person you claim is oppressing you. And in this particular case, and we're going to hear this come up in the poem, the oppressor is white people. And it's all white people. If you've done any reading in this whatsoever, if you're white, yeah. you're racist. Right. It's it's not just a sort of a thing where, hey, if you're white, you might need to check and see if you're racist. No, you already are. Mm-hmm. And you need to bow the knee. You need to repent of your whiteness because uh, you're the oppressor. And everybody who's not white has been oppressed by you mm-hmm. through cultural norms and all these other kinds of things. Now, the uh, the philosophical term or I guess sociological term that they use to describe this is systemic racism. It's a racism that's all around us and you might not even know that it's there, but basically everything is racist at that point. It's uh, it's Aunt Jemima on a syrup bottle. It's uh, right. an Indian on the Land Lakes butter tub. It's a garage rope in a garage that looks like a noose and so therefore that's something racist. You know, everything is racist mm-hmm. with this this mentality is because we need to be able to retain a victimhood status to put down the oppressor where this will eventually lead to is the is the just outright hunting of white people because she's claiming we're being hunted. We need to hunt them. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's we that's need eventually to fight, where fight, it'll fight, go. Fight, fight. Right. Exactly. We need to fight back. And that's that's why you have that's the mentality that exists behind the rioting and looting that's going on in America yeah. right now. The looting is being excused as well. Reparations. I'm owed reparations so I can go steal from this store and I don't have to pay you anything. And the rioting is that fighting back because we're being oppressed by white people. So we need to upset the establishment in order to, to fight back and gain what we believe that we've lost from our ancestors. It's all connected with ancestry. You may not have been oppressed, but if you can say that your ancestors were oppressed, then you can say that you were oppressed. Or if somebody with your same skin color has been oppressed, that's an oppression against me as well. And all of this is to say that going all the way back to our ancestors, the American system is broken. Therefore, we need to tear the whole thing down. Okay. And in a small town in the coastal city of Georgia, there was a young man whose birthday is May 8th, Ahmad Arbery. He was a Taurus, strong and tender, always running, running always from passion to placid, always reminded that your position of power is past tense. So she says the name Ahmad Arbery and mentions that he's a Taurus. So you even have like... Uh, Oh, yeah, the stars coming in. Right. Uh, Astrology coming into all of this as well. Everywhere you look, there are reminders to whisper your pain. Survive your torment with eggshell shoes laced up until skin is bruised and feet are swollen. Aching. Ahmad, you did not deserve this. Breonna Taylor, you did not deserve this. George Floyd, you did not deserve this. And every single one of you stolen from us. You did not deserve this. And I know that you're praying that same prayer that you were taught by our ancestors while you ran and you ran. And I know that you are running because that's what you do to release stress. You're running to be relieved. You're running for respite. And instead, you ran right into white supremacists or rather they ran into you. So we've heard about how this this movement has been monolithic. Whatever happens to one black person happens to all black people. Okay. And that's what she's saying here. 
She's saying that what happened to Ahmaud Arbery is also what happened to George Floyd, is also what happened to Breonna Taylor. And these individuals learned this prayer from their ancestors also. Oh, okay, yeah. Because they're black. Right. So you learned it from your black ancestors. By the way, this is also in the film uh, Black Panther. Oh. <laughs> there, there's this whole interconnectedness with ancestry and all this kind of stuff. Okay. In, in the Marvel film Black Panther. It's in there, too. It's been a while since I've watched Yeah, it, same with me. But, yeah, it's all, <laughs> it's all there. But, this again, this is that sort of a thing where uh, a black person is not allowed an individuality to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. Even within the Black Lives Matter movement, they don't allow you that. You, if you do that, then you're betraying oh, your yeah. ancestry. Right. You have to be of one mind, of one solidarity with all of us black people uh, in order in order to, to belong. It's called the mob mentality. Yeah, it is. It is a mob it's mentality. It's called a cult. Yep. Oh, my goodness. And we're seeing that play out. And, and this demonically with this, you know, spiritual prayer that she's doing here. They hunted you. They hunted you like they hunted our ancestors and our ancestors' ancestors. And so this prayer, this prayer that I have is for you, Ahmad, for you and your family and every black person inside of Brunswick, Georgia. I pray for you. And I know you pray for me. And I know they pray every single day. We pray as a collective. There's a collective prayer that we got taught from our ancestors and their ancestors. There's a collective prayer, and that prayer is grounded in the idea and the belief that one day we will be free, free from the bondage of white supremacy, free from the ways it makes us contort ourselves, free from the ways it makes us shrink ourselves, free from the ways that it makes us run from ourselves. I know we will be free, and I can feel it. I can smell it. I can see it. And Ahmad, I'm so sorry you do not get to see that freedom. I'm sorry. Now, I remember listening to this poem and just finding that part to be particularly sad and not because of the injustice that was done to Ahmaud Arbery, because that was certainly sad. But just that uh, that Patrice's outlook on that whole thing is, I'm sorry, Ahmad, you missed the boat. Yeah, no joke. You didn't get to see this freedom that yeah. we're anticipating. Is is that how the Bible talks about this? No. When the Apostle Paul talks about his death with the Philippians. Philippians 1.22, well, well, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what we have in Christ. Dying is gain. Yes. You know, when people were threatening him and saying, we're going to kill you, Paul would, would say, that's fine. I'll get promoted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, we can't kill him. We can't promote him. Right. So let's throw him in prison. And then Paul's like, sure, give me a hymnal. I'll convert your guard. I'll convert all your prisoners. Yep. That, that was Paul's mentality about all of this. Philippians 1.22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. Mm. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. What a Christ-like mm. outlook. Wow. To live as Christ, to die as gain. And that's the way that we should understand this as Christians. Uh, the Apostle Paul talking with the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 4. The Thessalonians were concerned that their uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord who had died missed the day. Right. They missed the chance to be able to see the day of Christ. But that's where Paul says, 
Uh, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do mm. who have no hope. Right. First Thessalonians 4.13. And this is what Patrice is doing. She's grieving as a person who has no hope mm -hmm. and teaching others to do the same with this poem. I'm sorry to every single black person shot and killed and brutalized by law enforcement by vigilantes be the fear and the rage of other human beings that are unable to see us for who we are. I see us. I know who we are. We are beautiful, majestic beings. We have survived. We continue to survive and I will continue to pray the prayer we were taught by our ancestors and their ancestors every single day. Ashaya. Ashaya? Yeah, what did she say there at the end? What was that word? I, I have no idea. <laughs> Ashay. Oh. She spelled it A-S-H-E in the poem as it appeared there in the video. It is traditionally spelled A-S-E, and it's Yoruba, a West African philosophical concept through the Yoruba of Nigeria, which has the power to make things happen or produce change. That's what that word means. So by saying ashe, you are speaking things into existence. Where have we heard that before? Oh, we have that religion <laughs> around. That's right. Name it and claim it. Yeah. Believe and receive. Yep, it, it's pagan. That's where all that comes from. Uh, there is this God that they believe in, the supreme God whose name is Olodumare. And the funny thing about this is when I was reading all of this, I did a report on Olodumare, specifically that God, when I was in high school. Okay. And so when I started hearing some of this stuff, Patrice repeating some of these things, I was like, I've heard this before. Huh. I mean, like 25 years ago, but <laughs> <laughs> I've heard all this before. It wasn't quite that long ago, a little over 20 years. Uh, but anyway, so so... Uh, Olodumare gave gods, ancestors, spirits, humans, animals, plants, rocks, rivers, uh, the wind, everything, these words. And these words had the power to unlock, mm. to release, to effect, to make things happen. Existence, according to Yoruba, is dependent upon these different prayers and praises or curses. And that's what... Patrice is doing in this particular poem if she cursing well yeah I mean that's that's where this is going it's, yeah. it's cursing the uh the the white supremacists that she calls them but it's this poem that affects change it's this poem's going to protect black people that's truly what she believes in the thing that she has just done it's part of her religion and again she's been ordained into this religion hmm. so following this little uh the the poem the reciting of the poem and the ritual that she was doing accompanying the poem uh -huh. there's an interview at the end of this as well and by the way that poem seemed very short that we were listening to uh -huh. it repeats like five or six times whoa she's doing the ritual while that poem is just on repeat oh okay it took me a couple of times before i'm sitting there going um just listening to the same thing again okay but you're still watching her do her little ritual in the background then wow. after after doing that she has a conversation about the spiritual nature of black lives matter and here's what she says Every time someone stolen from us, um, whether it's someone who, you know, name becomes very um, well known or not, it's like a 
gut to my chest. I know you and I feel very similarly. It's like a piece of me is stolen. Um, and both my political practice and my art practice makes me feel like I'm putting parts of me together again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in our, in, our tradition, in our traditional practice and people who practice you know, traditions from West African um, places, uh, one of the big is remembering your ancestors. And I know that's kind of choppy, but are you hearing what she's saying there? So, so Not she's, really. she's feeling like she's getting put back together again. Oh, okay. Uh, every time, yeah, every time a black person dies like this, it's like a piece of her is taken apart because, again, they're all interconnected right. according to this mentality. And and so whenever we act the way that we do in Black Lives Matter, I feel like I'm putting pieces of me back together again. So the more crazy you are, the more you're put back together. <laughs> yeah. And there and there's the uh, the whole interconnectedness with ancestors that she mentions there. She talks about West African traditions and that's all Yoruba. It's all connected with this Yoruba religion. I feel like part of the, the story of <clears throat> And the building of BLM was about remembering and, and remembering our people, not based off of a white supremacist memory, which would be about, you know, slandering them and putting their names in the newspaper and showing their mugshots, and, but instead remembering them from the place that their mothers and their fathers and their family would want us to remember them. And even if we didn't know them personally. And uh, I think that this, that 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 part of our calling as people who do this work for black lives is to lift our people up a lot both in their living uh, but also in their death and that the 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 need to lift our folks up feels um so incredibly spirit driven for me so this whole thing is spirit driven okay now, here's another clip. This one's a little bit shorter of her saying the same thing. Talk about Black Lives Matter being spiritual. Uh, spirituality is at the center of Black Lives Matter. Um, and that, I think that's not just for us. I feel like so many um, leaders and so many organizers um, are deeply engaged in, in a pretty um, important spiritual practice. I don't think I could, I could do this work without that. I don't think I could do it as long as I've done it and as consistently. Um, it feels like if I didn't do that, it would be antithetical to this work. So to see Black Lives Matter as anything other than this spiritual work that they're doing, it's antithetical to the cause of Black Lives Matter. Okay. Yeah. We have the Marxism that's interconnected with it. We have the LGBTQ movement that's interconnected with it. And now we have this demonic pagan religion that's interconnected with Black Lives Matter. Why do Christians continue to back this cause? Right now, granted, people might just be ignorant of this. But as Daryl Harrison of uh, just think of the Just Thinking podcast has said, Christians have got to stop being so gullible with these things. I mean, pull out your heartstrings, sure, but investigate it a little. In today's society, especially, where everything out there is pull at your heartstrings, 
Yeah, well, yeah, it's all about the feels. It is. I mean, like, they call you on the phone and they're like, oh, you know, I'm your long-lost cousin in jail and they can't get me out. You know, give me $100,000. Exactly. The phone scams are all connected with, like, you know, pulling at your heartstrings. Why would you ever tell me no? Right. Had somebody attempt to scam me just this past week. Yeah. So, yeah, I know how that goes. Yeah. But anyway, back on the subject of just thinking, the episode that they just did, episode 103, is on the church of... Black Lives Matter. Yes. And I think everybody needs to listen to this episode. I try to I try to catch every episode that Daryl and Virgil do. But this one in particular is extremely poignant, uh, right on target. So check out that one uh, entitled The Church of Black Lives Matter. It's episode 103. Now, Daryl spends a portion of the program explaining the Yoruba religion. Mm -hmm. And right after he gets done going through some of the main tenets of Yoruba, uh, then we have this statement. So I'm picking up in the Just Thinking episode with uh, what Daryl follows that up with here. Okay. There's much more that I could say about the Yoruba religion that is practiced by the three co-founders of Black Lives Matter. But perhaps that's enough. You know, what I said to this point is enough to give our listeners some insight, at least at a high level, into what police colours means when she says that the Black Lives Movement is, quote, spiritual, unquote. So when you see, now listen to me, listeners, closely. When you see someone with the phrase, say her name or say his name, embroidered on the jersey of an athlete or a celebrity, or when someone posts those phrases on social media or says them to you in a conversation, please understand that that is a practice that is rooted in the Yoruba religion, which emphasizes, as I just read, divination, reincarnation, and transpossession. So when someone says, say her name, they're ignorantly, probably, most likely, Ignoring, ignorantly not recognizing that what they're doing is echoing a practice within the Yoruba religion that is recalling the names of the dead. You are recalling the spirits of uh, dead ancestors to, again, animate themselves within you. Okay, within you personally. That is divination. They believe in reincarnation and transpossession. Listen, in Leviticus 19.31, In Leviticus Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31, it says, do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. There's also Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 12. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead." That's Deuteronomy 18, verse 11. No one who calls up the dead for whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. Now, if listeners didn't get anything from me from the past few minutes that I've been speaking, please understand this. God's God's word blatantly forbids divination, spiritus, and calling up the dead. But every time you hear someone 
saying the name of someone who's dead, which is what the what the founders of co, uh, co-founders of Black Lives Matters do through the practice of saying his name or saying her name, pouring libations when they do that. Uh, chanting the word I say after they pronounce the person's name. That's exactly what they're doing. They're calling up the dead. But God says, whoever does these things is detestable to him. Thoughts on that, Omaha? I'm at a loss for words at this point because anybody who's listening to this who has the title pastor should immediately upon hearing this bow their knee and repent to holy God period man if if you've embraced wow. this black lives matter nonsense th- this this demonic nonsense right now you should bow the knee and repent i i just i, I there's there's nothing more to say than what's been clearly explained that you can clearly go back and and research for yourself to see that these these women are female priestesses of a demonic religion. That's that's what we're dealing with. I wanted to add to what what you shared, uh, Leviticus twenty verse six. If a person turns to mediums and necromancers whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Um, mm. Verse 27 of, of Leviticus 20, a man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. They shall be mm. stoned with stones. Their blood will be upon them. This is, a, this is an explanation to the people of Israel under the theocracy of God, what he felt and thought of this kind of thing. That, that's, that, that's why I, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with just disgust at, at, at what you just walked us through and explained to the degree that, that I'm, I'm challenging any pastor who is involved, maybe ignorantly so, in the embrace of Black Lives Matter, the church of Black Lives Matter, you need to repent immediately. Um, First, um, let me look here. Jeremiah 23, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Jeremiah 27, verses 9 and 10. Do not listen to your prophets, your your diviners, your dreamers, your fortune tellers, your sorcerers who are saying to you, you shall serve the king of Babylon, for it is they who who are prophesying to you. With the result that you will be removed, that, that they will be removed far from you. This this kind of thing that that we're engaged in. This isn't a game. We we were clear at the outset of this thing when we when we started with with the yep. Church of Black Lives Matter. We we are yep. watching our entire culture embrace this 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 de- demonic ancestral worship. And, and we're doing so under the guise of so-called justice in the name of right. black men. Right. right? And, and, right. and I, I, I've said on a, on a previous episode that these, the, that black lives matter only advances at the hands of, of black dead bodies. Uh, yep. and, and, and only, and they only prefer them uh, at, at the point at which someone white is engaged in the murder. But, but yep. as, as, as you've just walked us through, man, we, we 
it, it should at this point, with this episode alone, I, I want to challenge every pastor who hears this to send this episode to everyone they know so, so that, that they're not caught up in something that will eventually separate them from God. This is, I, I just feel the level of, of seriousness with what you just read and the magnitude of, 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 of what Scripture says about this and, and, and what God says in His Word about even being associated with this kind of thing. In addition to the passages that Daryl and Virgil were reading there, I want to add this one from Revelation chapter 2, verse 19. Jesus says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first, talking to the church in Thyatira. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead, And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. We cannot have any fellowship with this. Hmm. And we can't have like even the mentality of, yeah, but I just say black lives matter. Yeah. You know, yeah. I it, it it's okay to say that. I don't have to be associated with the movement. Folks, you might as well be saying planned parenthood is good as long as I don't associate myself with that movement. Right. I'm just saying planned parenthood. There's nothing wrong with saying planned parenthood. It's planned parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm what I'm saying when it's I say the planned parenthood. part of it. Yeah, well, yeah, right. I just side with the healthcare stuff that they do, not the abortion part back right. there in the back. Right. It's the same thing. Same thing when you want to say, well, I just want to say Black Lives Matter. I'm not aligning myself with Black Lives Matter. Right. You're giving that movement credibility every time you say that. And what does Ephesians 5, 6 tell us? Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
and we know what his will is according to his word. That's right. My friends, the Bible is sufficient. We need the gospel of Christ. We don't need any of these random movements that our culture gets caught up in. And once you start doing an investigation into that kind of movement, you find out, boy, it is really seedy. Yeah. There's all kinds of evil stuff underneath this rock. And the more you lift it and the light shines on it, the more creepy crawlies start scattering out from underneath that thing. Don't have anything to do with this demonic stuff. Mm -hmm. Get out there and preach the gospel. If you want unity, preach the gospel. Amen. Are we divided from one another? Absolutely. Because of sin. Yes. And the only cure for sin is Christ. Our problem is sin. The solution is Jesus. Amen. Preach his word. That's all I got to say. (laughs) And I have no qualms with that. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) We appreciate you so very much. Thank you for listening. Be in prayer for us as we are still trying to get things together to move. Yeah. We've got a lot of work to do. And boy, we've had some health difficulties <laughs> <laughs> in trying to get all of this going. And we have we have in some wonderful we- friends helping us out, too. In our weakness, he is our strength. That's right. <laughs> Where I am weak, there he is strong. Yes. God, give me strength. Yes. Let's conclude with prayer. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. And we thank you for your goodness and your grace that is demonstrated to us through your word. I pray for those who are caught up in this movement, that they would see the truth of what it is, that they would repent of this and return to the sound words of our Lord Christ, that the, realizing that the Bible is sufficient, it is inerrant, it is good for everything that we need to point us to Christ, to forgive us our sins by faith in Jesus. We understand that according to your word to teach others to repent of sin, to walk in righteousness, all according to what your word says. We have the most wonderful word that has ever been given to us. Wonderful words of life as we sing about in the old hymn. May we cherish this and not get caught up and tossed around by every shifting wind of doctrine, but fixed upon Christ, who is the anchor of our souls, who will deliver us into his glorious kingdom, on the last day. Teach us to walk in this life uh, in, in the present, looking forward to the life everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I wasn't looking. Were you holding it? No, I wouldn't do anything. Okay. I was, there was kind of like, I was kind of consciously watching you do that because if the headphones got too close to the mic, 
I knew they weren't going to. Okay, I was, <laughs> that's why I was just kind of eyeing over there. I was like, don't don't get them too close to the mic. <laughs> so that's all. That was all it was. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you were looking suspiciously at me for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Okay, this is this is your script. This is your script. This is your script. I never travel without my script. (laughs) 